This is the podcast of the German Historical Institute London, a research centre dedicated to supporting and connecting students and scholars from Britain and Germany. The podcast series presents current research in British, German and European history, as well as colonial and global history. For more information on the German Historical Institute London, future events, the GHIL Library, studentships and more podcast episodes, please visit our website at ghil.ac.uk. Welcome to the GHIL podcast. My name is Kim Koenig. I am the GHIL's PR officer. And today I'm joined by GHIL Research Fellow for Modern History, Pascal Siegrist, and David Kuchenbuch, Assistant Professor at Justus Liebig University Gießen, to talk about the research behind his GHIL lecture on mediating globalism in the 20th century. We will be looking at two figures who rose to prominence as mediators of the global after the Second World War. American designer R. Buckminster Fuller and West German historian Arno Peters. Hi, David. Thank you so much for joining us on the GHIL podcast. You were here last autumn for our lecture series on uh, intellectual histories of the global. And your lecture is on two quite eccentric figures, I would say, who didn't know each other, but worked on quite similar projects and kind of revolutionized the, the world of map making and the way people saw the world at the time. Could you tell us a bit more about your project and how you came up with the idea for the project? Yes, well, certainly. And thanks for the invitation to present some of you know, what I presented in, in London a couple of months ago. Well, you know, the book is which I talked about and the project from which it grew out of is strange in many ways because it's a sort of double biography of sorts. It's, as you mentioned, a book on two people who were quite influential in the 20th century, especially in the second half of the 20th century, as what are called in German Weltbildner, which we could roughly translate as, you know, world thinkers or world builders, builders of worlds, by which is meant that they were producers of maps, of diagrams and other media, if you will, uh, that served to, well, first of all, to promote a sort of view of the world as an entity, as as a whole, in order to make people more aware of the fact that they were living in a sort of interconnected world, um, but also pointed to sort of um, divisions and problems in the world, which was also meant to serve to make people more aware of the world as sort of the space in which all their actions and their daily lives took place. And um, I wanted to know more about how this came about, how these two people, which are Arno Peters, a German cartographer and sort of historian or publicist, if you will, and Richard Buckminster Fuller, an American architect and philosopher, how they came to think that way and why they would engage in these practices of map making and making of diagrams and other medias. And um, so my book is basically based on their individual papers and two archives in Stanford and in Berlin. But it's not just dealing with them, with their lives, with their biographies and how their thinking came about. It's also an attempt at sort of looking at the larger picture in that it um, it really focuses on why these two people were so successful with at times rather eccentric ideas about the global. So these are the two sort of the two focal points of the book, focusing on these two rather eccentric or strange individuals, but also trying to explain why their thinking appealed to quite a lot of people, especially in the period from, I'd say, the mid-60s to the 1990s. 
Yeah, um, if I can just continue there, because I think the originality of the talk and the book is really this approach, this centering everything on these images of the global, these projects of world making. If I can push you a bit further, what does that tell us about the period? And especially when it comes to the experience of globalization and the sort of hopes and fears that that engendered. Well, thanks. That's exactly the point I was trying to make with this sort of broader contextualization. One thing that, um, you know, I found important was to point out that globality is a rather new notion, if you will, it's something that hasn't always been with people that we live in a global interconnected world. And, you know, there's lots of new and exciting research on the way on that topic, um, which I was hoping to participate in. But at the same time, I wanted to show that globality is something that changes itself. And one thing that the double biography, the format allowed me to do, and I should say that Buckminster Fuller is 20 years older than Arno Peters. He works in different circumstances. He's American, not West German. One thing that um, this approach allowed me to do was to pinpoint quite exactly, I think, shifts in the conceptions of the global that, in my view, at least took part in the early 1970s, which, you know, could be called a, a shift from a, a rather optimistic, a sort of planning globalism, one which pointed to ways of organizing, well, uh, the world, humanity, um, in a more efficient way in order to overcome all sorts of problems, overpopulation, ecological problems, you know, things that are still with us today. A shift from that sort of perspective towards a more self-critical if you will, moralistic globalism, which is also with us today, I'd say, uh, which is more focusing on, you know, our individual ways of living as ways of influencing, uh, you know, the global whole. And, and that's something which I wanted to really pinpoint by looking at how these two people were sort of becoming famous at specific times during the second half of the 20th century, but also sort of faded into oblivion at some point. Um, and um, hopefully that worked out uh, well in the book. Well, I really think it did. <laughs> but, um, if you're already t making this connection to the present and our current moment, I was wondering if you could tell us a bit more about how you came across these figures, what the sort of history of the genesis of the book and the project more broadly is, how much it has to do with developments in global history, the sort of alter globalization movement and these sort of things, if you could contextualize your own work a bit. Yes, thanks. It's always hard to do, right? We always want to present our work as something that's, you know, being conceived the way it came out at the end. But as always, these are sort of process of muddling through and of surprising discoveries and so on. But I, you know, I should start with saying that I did want to do something about the history of global thinking because I was, you know, and this project has been long in the making. I began thinking about it in 2010 or 11. I sort of, I just discovered that so many colleagues were thinking about the global without ever really defining what that meant to them. And they did that out of a, out of a moral stance, which I should say, I, you know, I support. They were thinking about how looking at globality in history made the world the way it is today. And that, of course, sprang from a political perspective on, on, on the global. But still, I was thinking, you know, why, why is no one really talking about how this is an historical notion, you know, the, the will to look at things from a global perspective? And I didn't approach this systematically. Finally, I was about to embark on a trip to the US, to the GHI in Washington, actually, for a different project. And in preparing for my first trip to the US, speaking of globality, 
Uh, I actually went to Washington DC. I actually watched The West Wing, which is a TV series on a fictional US president, a democratic president, who's doing all things basically like Clinton, but better. And um, there's an episode which deals with the Peters map in a fictional way. There's a group of so-called cartographers for equality, which propose to the fictional president Bartlett, played by Martin Sheen, to adapt the Peters map, which I should say is a very special, very strange map that shows especially Africa and uh, Southern America in a sort of elongated, different way to make people more aware of the actual size of these continents. And these people approach this fictional president and want him to adapt this, this map. And, you know, that just fascinated me. And then, you know, I just checked out that the Peters papers were actually in the Berlin Stabi, the Staatsbibliothek in Berlin, which is incidentally where I live. So before going to the US, I just looked at these papers and I found them fascinating. And then I sort of forgot about them. I wanted to write a small article or something on it. And uh, upon my return to Germany, uh, about half a year later, I stumbled upon Buckminster Fuller and I was immediately struck by the fact that much of what he was thinking about was so similar. And that's where sort of the idea of writing a, a book on both of them sort of began to, to grow. And um, when I found out that there's a similar treasure trove at Stanford with regards to Fuller's papers, I applied for a grant to, to travel there and that's where it all started. That's really fascinating. Thank you so much. I've also, looking at your bibliography, I also noticed that you wrote a book about the Peckham experiment. As I'm deviating a little bit here, but I was just wondering, is there any connection to the UK in this project or in your research? Not in this project particularly. I did look at how the Peters map especially was sort of looked upon in Britain, where it was quite successful actually in sort of all the third world institutions of the time. And Peters traveled to Britain quite a lot, uh, to London especially. But, you know, that's not the focus of the book. It's mostly focusing on Germany, West Germany and America. Uh, but um, funnily enough, when I went to America, I was actually preparing the book on the London Peking ex experiment, which you talked about. So, you know, that's the way academic biographies go, right? I'm sort of thinking about Britain in America and the other way Everywhere, around. Everywhere, all at once. <laughs> exactly. It's can be confusing at times. But, you know, that's something I worked on. In between, if you will, I wrote a small book, which is also translated into English. So, you know, English listeners may want to look it up if it's interesting to them. A uh, small book on the so-called Peckham experiment. And for that, I traveled to London, spent two larger archival trips uh, in London, especially um, in the National Archives. And it focuses, maybe interesting, it focuses on, on a very specifically sort of Londonish thing, a leisure and health center that was established in the 1930s. And which is interesting in that it allowed its users to sort of self-organize. And in self-organizing, these users were observed by scientists who sort of um, came to rather far-fetching conclusions from what they saw with regards to how society can be structured in a more sort of democratic and communal way, which left their marks, I would say, on very interesting, very different British debates, even up to, uh, speaking of the 1990s, uh, to so attempts at reforming the welfare state during the, the period of new labor in the 1990s and so on. Um, yeah, so quite a different, quite a different project. Well, thank you so much. That was really interesting to learn more about the research in your lecture. Thank you for joining us and taking the time. Um, I do hope our listeners will enjoy your lecture and this interview as much as we did. Thanks. We hope to see you soon at the Institute again, of course. Thank you. Be glad to come around again. Thank you for listening to the German Historical Institute London podcast. 
Follow us on social media and check our website to keep up to date with new episodes.